Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Friday, May 7th. We're going to get a jobs report out this morning. I know. I'll talk about it. I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow morning what you needed to know. It's going to be another good one. Remember, we had 900,000 jobs last month. I think we're going to get a million or so this month. The unemployment rate's going to keep going down. All the economic indicators starting to really show great progress. That's fantastic. I know there are still people who are suffering out there. If you are one of them and you need help navigating your financial life, send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. Or if you know of somebody who's suffering, just pass along this email address and and we'll get them on the air and we'll talk to them. And if you're on the website, jillonmoney.com, hit the contact button. It's very easy to do that. And we'll get that note. Don't forget to tell us if you'd like to come on the air with us. That is what Mary did. Mary is on the line from Texas. Hello, Mary. How can we help you out? Well, my husband and I are looking at retiring in four years, and we just have some cash flow issue questions. Okay, let's do it. So my husband is 53, and he makes approximately $250,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm 49, and I manage five rental properties. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. You're going to retire in four years? You guys are so young. You mean retire, retire, like do nothing or what? What are you talking about? Travel. We'd like to travel and, yeah, possibly do an RV or do some overseas travel. Extensive. Mm, extensive, like years. Like you're, you're out of here. Well, you know, being gone like six months at a time. Do you guys have kids? We do. We have um, two kids. One is launched. He's um, 20 and mostly launched. And the other is um, a junior in high school. Okay. So I see. Well, I see what we're pegging. Like, let's get this kid launched and then we're out of here. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the rental properties. Do you have mortgages on them or do you, or are they uh, paid for? And what's the rental income that they're uh, pushing out right now? So I'm getting about $2,400 a month from them. And most of them are paid for. I have two mortgages that total about 105,000. 
Would your plan be to keep those rental properties in your travels or do you think you'd sell them off or, you know, because obviously you'd have to hire someone to manage them if you're not around managing them? Well, that's part of my cash flow question. So originally I had wanted to sell one each year and that would basically fund our travels. But my husband is saying, hey, they're such great investments. They're, you know, cash flowing. Why don't we just keep them? And that's going to fund our retirement. So Mm. there's disagreement there. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, they're cash flowing, but you're going to have to spend money to hire a manager and that's going to reduce the cash flow, right? If you looked at the total amount of equity uh, in these rental properties, how much is, how much does that represent approximately? Mm, Conservatively about 550,000. For five properties. Yeah. Well, let's reduce that. Let's say 450 after the mortgage. <laughs> okay. Got it. So there's 450. Well, he's right. That's a good, that's, that's really right. conservative. Yeah. I mean, but still, I mean, that is a lot of cash flow. If you're, if you're cash flowing 2,400 a month on, uh, even if we just, you know, 450, let's say 500,000, that's uh darn good. Okay. And you can afford to probably eat into that to some extent, right? Because you could potentially say, you know, I'll hire somebody. It'll be, I don't know, X number of dollars a year. And you could still get, you know, essentially a nice cash flow where, you know, you're getting five, five percent ish, you know, and it works. So, I mean, it's, it's like, there's an emotional burden of it. So that's real, but he may be right in that you should look at each of these properties and determine which you know, we're talking about them as a, sort of a monolith five at once. Maybe some are worth keeping and some aren't. So I get his point, which is the money that it's generating is definitely a chunk of money that you probably, which is a real, you know, good return on your investment, but it's going to be reduced. And the question is, once it's reduced, is it still looking quite as appealing? So that's one issue. All right. Now let us move on. So he makes 250 grand a year. Tell me about the money you guys have saved outside of real estate. Okay, so we have traditional IRAs of 790,000. Okay. We have Roth IRAs of about 135,000, a 401k of um, about 1.125 million. Yep. A inherited stretch IRA of 55,000. We have um, our emergency fund of 75,000 taxable brokerage account of about 125,000 and college savings of 135,000. Okay, got it. One more thing and the yeah. biggest thing is um, my husband also has an employee stock option plan um, worth about $700,000. Whoops, that was a little rounding error on your part. <laughs> oh, I forgot about 700 grand, no problem. Um wow, you guys have saved a ton of money. Okay, you're young, right? So you're say four more years. Yeah. So my question, sorry to interrupt. My question is, should we be putting that money into the the Roth IRAs and doing a rollover, given that we're going to have a chunk of change when we retire, going back into another IRA, going back into the IRA? This is this is interesting because you have so much money that is pre-tax, right? Two million bucks about. So if you could somehow start to think about getting some of the money out or converted, that would be good, um, I think. But let me ask you a question. The rental properties, when you have that income um, and you were thinking about having that kind of income and you were looking forward, how much money were you thinking you need for 
the next four years after you retire, right? The four fun years, let's call it four or five years, right? Those super fun years. And then what's the number you need just to maintain your lifestyle? So I want two different numbers, the we're going crazy travel years, and then kind of the more consistent retirement income need. Um, Well, our spending, I mean, we live really well at about a hundred thousand and that's in our current city. I would probably say 150 to travel. So I, I don't I don't know. I mean, that might even be less. If you are thinking about sort of picking up and going, um, you have a primary residence as well. Would you maintain that primary residence? Or are you planning to sell that? Yes, we would maintain it. It would. I figured out that the cost to just you know keep the lights on while we're gone and everything would be about fifteen thousand dollars a year. Okay, got it. And when you look ahead um, in terms of your 60s, you know, kind of after you've had this big travel bug satisfied. Social security, do you have estimates for both you and your husband? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably 3000 a month. Okay. All right. That's fine. Here's a problem as I see it. Not a problem, a, qu- a query. Okay. You have a lot of money and you've done a great job of accumulating assets. So that's fantastic. So that's where I'm smiling. I'm saying that's great. However, most of your money is in pre-tax assets. Obviously, um, even though your husband may be, you know, 59 and a half when you begin your great adventure um, and you can pull that money out, you're going to have to pay tax on it. And once you kind of kick up the spending, then you are faced with a very interesting conundrum around where do you pull the money from? So on one hand, I would love for you guys to convert so a bunch of your money. But I don't think you should be necessarily doing that and burning up all the cash you have on hand, right? Because you have your your emergency reserve fund. You have this 125 grand in the brokerage account. But that's really like, to me, that's, you know, sort of your first year of travel, right? Because 125 in the brokerage plus, you know, maybe have 25 grand that's potentially coming from your, your rental properties. But, you know, that's year one. What happens year two? Yes. I don't want to retire unless we have you know, about half a million in cash. Right. And so then the query is like, how do we get that half a million out in cash, right? Because you are in, look, you're in the 24% tax bracket right now. That's a real tax bracket. It's not terrible, but it is, um, you know, you could start to maybe not convert into Roth, but I actually think that like, you know, that you may want to start thinking about saving a bunch more money after tax that's in that brokerage account. So is your husband maxing out his contribution into his 401k currently? Yes. However, there's an asterisk. Um, Mm. Apparently there's some weird law in which they, your benefits are capped at Mm 68,500. So um, in 2019, we had $500 of our contributions returned to us for 2020, we had $6,200 Yowza. just returned to us. All right. So I'm wondering, I'm just wondering, I know this sounds nutty, but let me just ask, how would you feel if I said to you, you know what? Forget about the Roth conversion. For the next four years, what I really want you to do is and instead of putting that money into a retirement account, I think you should just actually put in your brokerage account. 
the money that the 26,000 that he's been putting away, that I want you to start stockpiling that. I think your brokerage account is a little bit of the weak link here, the non-retirement asset, okay? It's not so much that I need you to convert your Roth, which I would if you weren't having this crazy ass plan of like, I want to travel for five years, right? I would be talking to you about, let's slowly start converting. Let's keep you, let's convert as much as you can when you're in the 24% tax bracket. But if you really want to do this, this thing called the five-year travel plan, then you need more money outside of retirement and outside of the uh, the real estate market. You're going to have to bring that to bear. And it would be tax inefficient to do it. Sorry, but you know what? That's If you really want to do it, that's what you have to do. And if you said to me, oh, you know, we'd rather work longer or that, okay, maybe. But I still think your main problem is that you have so much money in pre-tax assets that... I'm not so concerned about, you know, your your retirement numbers because I think you're fine. I think that your retirement's going to be just fine. But if you really want to take this sidestep out of the workplace and out of retirement savings and try to have some fun, then I think you are really looking at taking the money from your cash flow and pre-funding the travel years. That's what I think. Now, I will say this. Once you're done then we have to look at kind of where the world is, right? I mean, if you said to me, that was a crazy thing. We got to uh, $400,000 in the brokerage account. It's three years from now. Let's just pretend. And uh, life's great. Then, you know, we could make different decisions. I think the other opportunity that you guys should think about is, you know, the plan around the rental real estate providing that necessary lump sum. So maybe it's not this year, but, you know, you do have a real estate market that's a bit on fire right now. And is there something to be said for looking at these five properties, analyzing which ones really you get the best bang for your buck or the easiest to manage or something like that and saying, well, you know, let's get a real leg up on our plans by selling into a strong real estate market and taking some money off the table and having that money set aside. And I think that there that's the balancing act that you guys need to, I don't know the markets these that these properties are in, and I don't know what the cost is, but I think you should start to really looking at what is it that these properties are providing us? How much work does it take? And are we better off at least with a couple of them taking the money putting it to work or maybe even, um, you know, having some arrangement. Do you have like, do you have good renters? Like how much of a pain in the neck has this been? It's not a pain at all. I have great renters, but that being said, my rents are not optimized. Let's put it that way. Mm. You're a softie. If I were to, I, I am a softie. And if I were to turn it over to a rental, a property manager, they could better optimize the rents. And so, you know, it, it probably, I would probably still net the same amount. Well, I think that that's something you should start exploring. I do. I mean, and it also might give you a little bit of solace not to be on the hook for that process, you know, um, which is not to say it's been onerous, but, you know, sometimes we're not the best negotiators for, and I don't mean you should be, you know, a hard ass or they, that the, that the rental, that, that, that any agent should really like kill these folks. But I do think that, in preparation for four or five years from now, maybe even start thinking about, well, what is it that I want to do? And I do think that some of this is about an emotional burden as well. So, you know, I don't know, how would you feel if 
three years from now, you're in, where should we put them, Mark? Should we put them in Paris? Let's say you're in Paris, you're hanging out, you're having your cafe au lait and your croissant, and you get a, um, a little ring on your phone from your rental agent uh, who says, uh, you're not going to believe it. Joe Schmo, your lovely tenant dropped dead. And the apart- and now we're going to be vacant for a while. And I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, you know, you have to tell me how much that's going to bother you, because I think the idea of this ownership, it certainly is possible that you use it and it's funding all this future income stream or, you know, a little extra money coming in, right? Maybe it's probably going to be between the rental property and your social security. You're going to have half of your financial, maybe two thirds of your um, income needs and later retirement met. So that's great. And then you have plenty of money to fund the difference. But how much emotionally? That's a question you should ask yourself. You know, having these properties are always in the back of my mind. Yeah, I don't. I okay. I'm a wimp. I mean, I can tell you that that your husband is right. Cash flow wise, it sounds like these are pretty interesting properties. But maybe you know, two of them are fantastic and really like the easiest. And maybe you keep those two and you start thinking about selling the others. But I think a little additional analysis would be really worth your time and energy. I think that what would be good is that if you kind of don't worry so much about tax efficiency, but if that plan of travel is the most important thing to you, then let's make it happen and you need some money to fund it. Okay. Great. Thanks so much. All right. Well, that was an awesome call. Mark, if you were going to take four or five years off, would you, how would you do it? Where would you go? But would you go for like a year? Because my ideal would be like spend a year in Paris, then spend a year in Italy. And maybe I stop there. Two years would be a lot. I want to become Mary. God bless Mary, if you will. If you've got a question like this, it may seem out of reach to you to hear this kind of a story. But, you know, it's kind of cool. Maybe you don't have to go for four years. Maybe you want to just say, how can I take a sabbatical? How do I do that? Uh, what is it in my financial life that will give me the opportunities to do these really cool things? If you want help with trying to figure out how to make your dreams a reality, I can't believe I said that actually, uh, give us a holler. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com or go to our website, JillOnMoney.com. Hit the contact button. Uh, remember, we really do want you to continue to be careful out there. I just spoke to somebody who said, yeah, I'm fully inoculated. My kids aren't. I got to make sure I, I'm careful around them. So wash your hands and wear your masks if you're inside. Maintain that physical distancing and uh, do me a favor. Put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. It's going to make that person feel so good and it's going to make you feel good. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 